Welcome everyone to the Mail Fuzz TV News Podcast. I am Peter and joining me as always is Connor. I'm still here. Unfortunately. Unfortunately uh, for everyone. We are TV podcast. We get you know we get together, we talk about the pilots, the renewals, the cancellations, uh other tidbits and just new TV shows in development, all that kind of thing. Uh and we'll get pretty much straight into it. Uh so we uh, start with renewals and cancellations. That tends to be what we begin with. And uh, there's a couple of meaty ones here, uh, basically from the Star Trek corner of the world. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds has been renewed for Season 3 by Paramount+. Plus, which uh that, uh, Season 2 yet? Nope. Uh, season 2 is so. coming in the summer. So uh, this is an early renewal. Uh, and they've also renewed Star Trek Lower Decks for Season 5. And... Likewise, it's next season, season four. Uh, it doesn't even have an actual premiere date yet. It just is coming sometime late summer as the current. Uh, Say what you want know. about the current Trek stuff that's been going, you know, for a few years now, obviously. Uh, they've been pretty good at having a plan of like, okay, we'll renew fairly far in advance. We'll kind of let things run. They've not really cancelled. Like, you know, Discovery was the first one to be cancelled. And even that, they were like, hey, go back, you know, redo your ending. Yeah, it's not the last of the Star Trek news this week. Uh, another thing will be popping up later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it shows confidence again in the shows that they are keeping around. I think maybe there was a slight concern that with one cancellation and Picard was ending anyway, or maybe the dominoes are falling a little bit. Maybe they're not as committed to doing Trek right now. But then they immediately renew these two. It's like, okay, uh, and there's another bit of news later. So, yeah, it feels yeah. like they're still in the game. They just they were done with Discovery, but they're not necessarily done with Trek in general. Which is fine. And Picard was always a limited thing anyway. I think we, I feel like we always knew it was three seasons. No, we did. We always knew that was three seasons. Yeah. So that's why I'm not even counting that really in the 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 doom and gloom, if you will, because it was always going to be that. Yeah. Uh, so less interesting. We have season two of the Night Agent confirmed from Netflix. Apparently, it's popular. Uh, did, did you watch it? No. No, no, me either. No, no one seemed to care I'm, about I've it. I've not really seen a lot of people talk about it. Seems to be doing well numbers. Well, I guess it's this is like their their CBS fair. I guess it's something that's appealing to the masses, but not necessarily the the talkative part of the internet. That would be my guess because I've not seen anyone talk about it at all. The only time I have seen this show mentioned is when I've been looking for news and those articles about it. Uh, next up, CBS renewed Blue Bloods for season 14, uh, which is not that exciting. The only interesting thing about this one is that this was a little bit later of a renewal, and there was there was a little bit written about why that was. Apparently CBS wanted to cut costs uh, on the show, and that was sort of delaying any sort of renewal order. And from the sounds of it, um, the cast and... The sort of the 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 head of the crew, like the the uppers in the crew, uh, whether that means the writers or whoever, uh, all agreed to take pay cuts so the show could keep going, uh, so that everyone who worked on the show would keep their job. So surprising to say that's a late renewal, given that you know it's we're not even in April yet. Typically, there, there's still you know renewals happening on network TV at this time. Ah, but it's late for CBS. They've already renewed most of the yeah. stuff they're renewing. Uh, so this, this was one that was, you know, and it, not, it noted as well that all the, the major cast are all coming back. So, like, it does kind of seem like 
the major cast who could have all just sort of cut and run after 13 seasons because they've probably made enough money to be quite comfortable uh, mm. to say to stick around. I don't care about the show, but, you know. I, Fair to them. I, I respect Tom Selleck a bit for this. <laughs> My assumption here is that obviously they took a pay cut. It's still presumably pretty reasonable. I imagine. Plus combined with, you know, all the, the residuals they'll get every time, you know, there's the, the, the things are replayed. They're like, yeah, this is this is a comfy job. Let's just carry on. That is probably a big part of it. It's probably quite cosy. So as long as the pay cut, even if, because I believe they were trying to lower the budget by twenty five percent. That was the figure that was quoted, and that doesn't necessarily mean everyone took a twenty five percent pay cut necessarily, but that's what they were aiming to do. So yeah, you know, if they're all taking various cuts, but if they're still comfortable enough, and if it's a relatively easy show to shoot. Uh, and for Tom Selleck, he largely, I think, sits at a desk or a dining table, or <laughs> he's on the phone a lot. I, he's not running around doing action stuff, you know. He's, so he's... It's a fairly easy job for some of them, yeah. I imagine. And, and like you say, you know, they've already done thirteen seasons of it. It's they know what they're doing. You know, they, they know probably, exactly what to expect week in week out. It's probably a well-oiled machine at this point. I I expect, and I'd like to think so. I'd be concerned if it's not after that long. <laughs> So yeah, but hey, fourteen seasons—that's a like for a show. Like I know CBS have a lot of you know, CSIs that have went a long time and NCISs that have went a long time. I feel like Blue Bloods, while I remember it launching, and every so often it'll pop up in renewal news or whatever. You know, it's not as much of a name as those shows. So th- this also getting to fourteen seasons is relatively notable. Yeah, it's not like it's surprising because it's CBS, but also it's still, you know, not nothing. Yeah. I mean, they have a, a relatively high bar for what they consider a success because their ratings are better than everywhere else. So yeah, if, if it's keeping in the fight, even with the slight caveat that they're, you know, accepting a little bit of a, a cost reduction to, to keep going, uh, you know... Not that anyone, I think, cares about any overall plot in that. Like, it's not like it's got some big saga that's not going to have an ending. Like, it's all week-to-week plots anyway. So yeah. <laughs> it's not like anything would have been, like, disastrously unfinished if they hadn't come back for another season. But, some hey. unfinished character arcs usually in that scenario. Yeah, so, yeah, Blue Bloods is renewed for season 14. Although 14 is nothing when you've been renewed for season 20, which is what Grey's Anatomy has been renewed for at NBC. 20. Oh, that's a big one. Uh, which I think officially makes it the longest-running primetime medical drama. Well, I hope it keeps that credit. The article said that. Not just medical drama in general, because I think technically something like General Hospital probably beats the shit out of it, but that's a soap that's... You yeah, know, I was going to say soaps. Different, different, you know, genre. Different. You know, yeah. So. It's borderline a different medium. Pretty much, yeah. The way they have to churn those out so quickly, it absolutely yeah. is. So, yeah, that, there's uh, the renewals. So we have one official cancellation and then, bizarrely, two effectively cancellations. Uh, so the official one is Gronish, which is the spin-off of Blackish, which is a freeform show. It's ending with season six, which is uh, airing in two halves, first half coming this summer. Uh, so they're just announcing this, that this is going to be it. Uh, the other two, though, it's kind of funny that Typically speaking, we don't have, I won't say leaks, I will say someone said something they weren't supposed to. It's funny that there was two of these in one week. Uh, yeah, that is weird. Yeah, because I've got two kind of similar things here. So, Carpet Enthusiasm, um, 
it looks like season 12, which is the upcoming season, might be its last, which, you know, isn't that big a deal or a shame because it started in 1999, and the fact that it kept coming back after these breaks was kind of special in its own right, so 12 seasons ain't nothing to sniff at. It might be its last until in four or five years' time where he decides he wants to do another one. Yeah, he's in his 70s now, though, so maybe maybe he just wants to rest. Yeah, maybe. but maybe he'll get bored. He, he, he strikes me as the type of man who'll just get bored if he sits around. Yeah, but this this came from uh, producer John Heyman, who tweeted out, maybe you love the show, maybe you hate the show, maybe you don't give a shit. Uh, in any event, shooting the last scene of the last episode of the final season. He then deleted the tweet, implying that he's not supposed to be telling people that, but... Yeah. That, that, mm, producers should know that sort of thing. He probably should. Maybe maybe he just didn't realise they hadn't announced it yet, or something. But Well, they have now. Yeah, which does make me wonder if it's like if they go in knowing it's the last season, have they done something sort of special send off for the ending? And that, and, you know, it's, that's why it's clearly the last they, episode. They killed not, him. I mean, either kill him or just do something special with yeah. you know bringing the Seinfeld cast back for something or something. I don't know. Uh, but so that's cool. And then the other one, uh, and this this is important. You'll you'll like this one. This is this is more in your wheelhouse. Oh, I'm getting suspicious now. Billions. I was right to be suspicious. Damien Lewis is returning for the last season, but it's now confirmed to be the last season. Although, again, asterisk, not really confirmed, but someone. <laughs> so and who cares? Because there's about twelve of the bloody things coming. Uh, uh, Dan Soder, who's an actor on the show, um, was what was it? It was he was on it was on NBC Sports Chicago's Football Night, right? So he was on a sports show. And he just casually said, season seven, the final season is on its way. And then immediately followed up by saying, oh, am I not supposed to say that? I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. That's the quote. <laughs> Respect for not just deleting it. Well, he couldn't because he was on a TV show. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, true. But pretending it didn't happen and like editing it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it was live. Maybe, or maybe there's an audience and it's like, well, oh. they all know it's going to get out there. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I don't have much to say about Billions, I just, I, I'll just be honest, I put it in because Billions is a bit of a meme now on this show. Every time you see something, it's, it's like, oh, let's go to the news. Yep, yep. Um, it could be a changing contract for the catering of the show, and I'll put it in here just to Just so you can up. lead in with, with something like, oh, get excited. Uh, we got a couple premiere dates uh, coming up. So, The Walking Dead, Dead City, has got a premiere date of June 18th. Uh, this, is, this? this is the Lauren Cohen and... Uh, right. What's his face? Negan's a character, but... Uh, yeah, I'm talking about... I do know who you're talking about. I picture his face. I just... The Winchester father. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this is the one with those two in it. And, uh, yeah, so there's a short teaser out for it, but it's like 15 seconds. It's not really much. I just want to say, The Walking Dead, Dead City, is a clunky title. Having, having like, the first part end with Dead and then the subtitle start with Dead feels really awkward to say. And I know people will just say Dead City, and that's fine. Like, Yeah, but you, you feel like you should have just called it Walking Dead City at that point, right? Yeah, The Walking Dead City, or... Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I know, but the Fear of the Walking Dead had the same problem, kind of. It was, you know, The Walking Dead. Well, no, that, well actually, no, that one was that colon. That was just Fear of the Walking Dead. No, no, okay. No, that's... That's fair. It's not It's not a good title, but it's better than this. At least it, it, it 
it flows better. I never loved that title, but I do think there's more potential in that format. Like, I would have called this City of the Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Uh, you know, once they've established that's the, yeah. the shtick. Which also kind of harkens back to you, Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. They kind of homages that as well, homages that as well, but oh well, whatever. They've called it the Walking Dead colon Dead City, uh, which does not roll off the tongue. But, but I want it to be awkward. Uh, and then the other premiere date, this is FX, this one, this is Mayans MC Season 5, which is the final season of the Sons of Anarchy spinoff, is coming May 24th. So, it seemed worth mentioning. Uh, not that either of us care, but... I mean... People might. It might be better than the original show, because it's not got Blandy McBlanderson as the lead actor, right? Uh, Charlie Hunnam? That's the one. It's a shame, though, because I had Ron Perlman and uh, Casey Gall in it. That's true. And I like those actors, but yeah, I never I never found much appeal for Sons of Anarchy. Uh, some general stuff. Uh, slight change of episode count for the next season of House of the Dragon. Um... It's been reduced to eight episodes from ten, uh, but the upside to this is that apparently the reason for this is is because they're sort of like planning the show out a little bit, and this is effectively like not confirmed, but very likely this decision has been made with the the, the sort of the likelihood of a season three. It's kind of like you know do eight episodes and then you get an eight episode season three after kind of thing. Uh, so it's not unreasonable. Eight episodes is. Fine, it's pretty normal for these sorts of shows at the minute. Yeah, season one was ten episodes, so this is them. I I didn't get past four, maybe. I didn't even watch one, so I, don't ask me uh, yeah. my opinion. I, I I didn't get through all the time jumps. I know that. Okay, okay. Uh, so apparently they did already write, or at least have rough drafts of like ten episodes, so they're rewriting to like accommodate it into eight episodes now, but. Uh, at least if it's more of a planning long-term thing and thinking about, like, how many seasons there's going to be and what... Yeah, and, and if those eight episodes, you know, the ten episodes they had were, you know, 50 minutes to an hour, HR let them have eight longer episodes, usually. Yeah, probably, yeah. With, with, with it being, you know, having the, the Game of Thrones branding and, you know, they kind of get free reign, right? HBO used to be very strict about being that exact hour mark, but I feel like in the last few years they've definitely eased up on that if someone yeah. realized wait it's our own network we can just let it run late especially since they're a premium network that doesn't necessarily adhere to ad blocks in the same way that the regular channels do yeah like, i noticed like just recently last of us had some episodes as short as i think 45 minutes but then others were like an hour 10 an hour 15 something like that uh, i can't remember without looking exactly but there was definitely a good 20 or 30 minutes total fluctuation i think uh, you know, on e- either side of the hour, like, so that's a reasonable amount of freedom, and it's probably one of the only good things that Netflix has given us. It's kind of Netflix kind of spearheaded that, yeah, kind of, you know, run along, do whatever. And at the time, you know, they they, they caused their own problems with it. Just, uh, you know, people went wild because, ah, oh, we don't need to edit this down now. But it's, yeah, it's a double-edged sword in some ways, but... I, I do think as we've got past that initial burst of freedom, there, you know, there have been creators who are like, okay, just because we can go longer doesn't mean we have to, and we are starting to see more fluctuations and just refinement within that, and it's, you know, I think it's worked out better this now. 
Yeah, by by and large, Last of Us benefited from the the alternating you know length to whatever fit the episode. Uh, with the exception of the finale, which I do think should have been a bit longer, but other than that, you know, I haven't got to that one yet. But I just happen to know the, the rough episode lengths. Yeah. Uh, so then the other bit of general news here is that uh, Jessica Chastain has been cast in the Apple limited series The Savant, which I'm sure we brought up at some point uh, in the past months. This is an eight-part limited series, which has been in works for a while, and it comes from Anatomy of a Scandal co-creator Melissa James Gibson, and is produced by Fifth Season and Anonymous Content. It'll see Chastain play a top-secret investigator known as the Savant, who infiltrates online hate groups to take down the most violent men in the country. So it seems like it may be a bit of a showpiece for her. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing this is going to be Matt's new favourite show. Well, are you hearing that, or have you just made that assumption in the last 10 seconds? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> yes, uh, Matt will probably watch, he doesn't watch a lot of TV, but he'll watch this just because Chastain's in it. I will yeah. bet yeah. you anything. Uh, so, yeah, there you go, that's the general stuff. Uh, so there's no comedies this week, actually, but there are two animated projects uh, to talk about. Well, at least one of them, I know. Unless, unless you're going to swerve me and tell me it's not in here. I suspect it's this first one that I'm going to bring up. Uh, so for some reason, we have to have another version of Scott Pilgrim in the world. Uh, so despite the fact that I believe this is just another adaptation of the comic, it's bringing back all of the cast from the movie, pretty much? It's unclear as to whether it's an adaptation or not. Uh, Edgar Wright has been very coy on the matter. And okay. he's like, hey, just uh, just watch it. So, hard to say right now. You know, we, I don't know if it's just an adaptation, if it's going to, like, you know, have stuff that the the, the, the movie didn't adapt, because obviously it was a you know, two-ish hour movie. Uh, and also, if I remember rightly, the movie ending is very different from the comic, because I think, I don't think the comic had finished by the time that they were, you know, shooting the movie. So they kind of just made up their own ending. So it might be a more faithful ending. Yeah, still feels a bit. Admittedly, I have some bias here. I don't like Scott Pilgrim that much. I, I... And and also, you don't like anime, which this is an anime. Yeah, I also don't like anime, but I still like. Even if this was something I cared about, I'd still feel weird about like the cast. Unless it's like a, more of a sequel, where they're continuing the story in some way, I I wouldn't really get the appeal of having all the same cast back again just to redo it as a as an animated show i agree especially as it was very for a live action movie it was very you know out there it wasn't like beholden to typical ah let's just be oh yeah know. it was very stylish it did a lot of things to like to you know there, there was fancy graphics there was moments where it did kind of turn animated for like a moment in the background or there was already a lot of style there, so I'm not yeah. even sure that what they were missing. If it's not like, oh, we had to tone it down because it was like a a mainstream movie. It they didn't. It. it wasn't that. No, it wasn't like, oh, we we made it like this serious version for like this live adaptation. The, you know? the, the gritty R rated. Yeah, Scott yeah, yeah. They, they, they didn't do that. It it was. I'm not gonna say straight off the page, but pretty close. You know, as close as you realistically want in most live action scenarios. Yeah, yeah, but uh, there's a huge list of names coming. But it's basically just everyone. I'm even it, it's everyone. It, yeah. it is. Yeah, I, I saw the list earlier, and I'm like, yeah, it's it's everyone. And 
that's in like my top five movies of all time. So I'm kind of excited just based off of that. And I'm like, well, well I have to see it. But I don't know. I, I hope it's more than just an adaptation again. Because also, like I said, I already love the movie to bits. I don't need the movie again, but anime. It was really hard not to make a face when you said it was in your top you five of all time. You, you, you yeah, failed. but it could have been more of a face though. Like I, I, that was a restrained face. I'm I'm sorry that I have better taste than you. I to, I rained, that was reined in. Like I sort of caught myself yeah. doing it. Went no, I'm going to try and hold this back now. Okay. I, look, I, I want to point out, I did not say it is one of the best movies of all time. Just that it is in my top five favorites. Hmm. Uh, the other animated project we've got here is also Netflix, because I, I don't know if I mentioned, but that was the Netflix, uh, the Scott Pilgrim. Uh, but Netflix have greenlit a 2D animated series called Gentry Chow and the Underworld uh, from first-time showrunner Echo Wu and executive producers Ali Wong and Aaron Ellie Kaliti. Um, so Wong will star in the Supernatural action series alongside Bowen Yang, Laurie Tan Chen, Lucy Liu, uh, Jimmy O Yang, Shen Wang, and Wusung Kim. Uh, Lucy Liu being the name that sticks out there more than... That most people will know. Yeah. Uh, the series follows Gentry Chow, voiced by Wong, a Chinese-American teen living in a small Texas town who finds out a demon king is hunting her for the supernatural power she's been working her whole life to repress. With the help of her weapons expert Great Aunt and millennia-old Jiang Shi, Chinese hopping vampire. Oh. Uh, Gentry must now fight an entire underworld worth of monsters while balancing the horrors of high school. That's almost personal and professional if we count school as professional. Yeah. Uh, I laughed a little bit at the Chinese hopping vampire because I watched the movie a few years ago for a bonus episode of The Ace, which was called Robo Vampire. It was this cheap, crappy movie that was like a robot, Robocop knockoff mixed with these weird vampires. But the vampires were hopping, and it was like the most stupid thing ever. And I'm like, why? Why have they made this choice? And turns out it's a thing. And then, you know, since then, I have learned that this is actually some bit of folklore that they tapped into. They didn't just make it up. So I just I chuckled at seeing Chinese hopping vampire. Understandable. Uh, honestly, sounds kind of fun. I'm, I'd probably dig it. I'm sure I'll check it out eventually when it does come out. This, uh, this reminded me, though, as I was reading, we were reading a comic last week. I don't know what comic it was, but I, I nearly had to reach for a drink. <laughs> the, the exact line was dealing with political and personal problems. Um, I saw a tweet that had personal and professional under this week. Oh, I know what comic it was. It was the last issue of uh, Undiscovered Country I read last week. Mm. It was just one panel, you know, political and personal, and I just instinctively just looked for a drink. Yeah. Uh, reading the description of this, I was getting, like, Raven, as in Raven from the Teen Titans vibes, but then the vampire made me shift a little bit more Buffy by the end. That's the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for anyone who's not keeping up. Uh, so, yeah, that's sort of dealing with those kind of things. Teenager, yeah. fighting the monsters of evil, blah, blah, blah. Uh, all right, on to the dramas, then. First up... Paramount Plus have given a green light to a new Star Trek show. They have officially ordered, and this is one we kind of knew was in development years ago, but they've finally ordered Star Trek Starfleet Academy. 
Star Trek Starfleet Academy will introduce us to a young group of cadets who come together to pursue a common dream of hope and optimism. Under the watchful and demanding eyes of their instructors, uh, instructors, sorry, uh, they will discover what it takes to become Starfleet officers as they navigate the blossoming friendships, explosive rivalries, first loves, and a new enemy that threatens both the Academy and the Federation itself. Alex it's Kurtzman... Not make it professional. It's, it's borderline. Again, if you're including academia as their... Actually... I would argue this is more professional in this case because they're specifically training for their role in Starfleet, which is a career. Yeah. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. Uh, Alex Kurtzman and Noga Landau are co-showrunning it, so... I hope it's good. I mean, it's, it's a fine idea to set a show at Starfleet Academy. It's kind of surprising it's taken this long to do it. Yeah, I think we heard about this originally in, in you know, some form or another... Probably around the same time we started hearing about Picard. Yeah, I was in the same list, yeah. So, they've kind of waited till that was wrapping up, and finally enough, Discovery is also wrapping up to, to kind of go ahead with this. Yeah, whether or not it's that, they're, they're like, okay, we need to replace this now, or if it's just a, you know, we, you know, they've been struggling behind the scenes with the idea for this one. I don't know why, because it seems pretty easy, right? You know, with your premise. Yeah, if I was to guess, I would say that it was just, uh, okay, we don't want any more Star Trek shows right now. Uh, three live-action shows is fine for the meantime. And then once they were wrapping up, it's like, okay, we'll bring out one of the ones that was waiting in the wings. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that they wanted to have Star Trek all year round. They did, yeah. But they never even got close to it. And they they clearly decided not to pursue it at some point. Now, let's see if the next few weeks... Now that they've got... They're losing two shows, right, with Picard and Discovery. Mm-hmm. We've got this one coming in. Let's see if we finally start hearing something about Section 31 being real. I don't think it's ever happening. <laughs> I think if there's ever a time, it's after Discovery's finished, though. Okay, I could see that. And maybe they want to try and, like, cash in on Michelle Yeoh's uh, success. Hilarity, even though yeah. she was already, you know... She was already popular, novel, but she, yeah. probably, like, she sort of, like, been reintroduced like a sort of a new generation i suppose if you will yeah uh so they may want to like try and bank in that but that also may make it harder maybe she's more in more demand now and they can't lock her down anymore and all of a sudden oh we can do section 31 but we can't have the character that we're going to build the entire thing around <laughs> yeah let's start from scratch <laughs> oh well uh, i don't know we'll, we'll see we'll see what they do i i mean this sounds like a fine idea i mean alex kurtzman being attached is still a bit of a red flag but that's every Trek show ever right now. Pretty much. So, we'll see. I mean, I think on paper, there's no reason why this can't be a great idea. Starfleet Academy is something that's mentioned just about every version of Star Trek we've ever had. It's something that's sort of so well established as being this thing that all of the characters from Star Trek, you know, at least the ones on the ship anyway, with the crew, all go through this. That It just makes sense at some point to do the college-style show about Starfleet Academy. And, you know, whenever we get flashbacks of Picard or whoever in their time in Starfleet Academy, they're always, you know, oh, they're a bit more reckless or a bit more thrill-seeking at the time. It actually might be fun to introduce young characters who are just can be like that the whole time, you know? Then... And it won't feel weird because they are younger characters. Yes, yes. So, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the other big news this week, and there wasn't a lot of official news to go with this. It was kind of just like, again comments from someone but it's kind of too juicy to ignore 
So Chris Carter, the creator of the X-Files, just casually mentioned uh, this week uh, on a podcast of some kind that he's been speaking to Ryan Coogler, the director of the Black Panther movies and, and other stuff that he's done with Michael B. Jordan. Uh, he is developing a new version of X-Files. Uh, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah, I mean, let, let's... There's a lot of things that are basically X Files in you know in the past twenty years that have tried to kind of be that. This will be the the first one that will have the name again. Yeah, uh, I think what I will say is this: not that we need X Files to come back in some form, but if you're going to have more X Files, I think it absolutely should be a, a, a reboot. Not necessarily something where you have to re- you redo the characters again that were in the original, or you redo the story of the original. I just mean it can't be a continuation again of Mulder and Scully. Just every glimpse I've seen of any of the later stuff and the, the disappointment of the people who watch the X-Files and care about the X-Files trying to continue that story and pretending that there's going to be an ending unless you're actually doing a definitive ending and sticking to it is a disaster. So starting fresh with a new creator who's going to have new characters doing spooky alien stories... Yeah, from a a relative outsider's perspective, the X Files is you've got you know your two characters, your skeptic, your believer, hunting you know you know following up crimes that may or may not be supernatural, yes, or alien, you know, and and that's that's all you really need, as long as you've got that structure, I would say, and you can slap the X Files name on it. Yeah, I guess the questions I would have is, like, where is this going to be? If it's on network TV, I suspect it'll probably not be that great, just because network TV tends to not be good that much anymore. There's very few examples I have. Uh, the one notably, which is actually kind of X-Files, it was Debris, which I really liked season one of, and then it got cancelled. But it got cancelled because it was too serialized for network TV, and that seems to always happen. It does. But also, like, if, if, if there is anything that can work on network TV still and be, you know, good for what it is, It'll be an X Files style show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, d- I would wonder though if it ends up somewhere else. Because keep in mind, this is Disney owned now, so this could uh, go anywhere. I mean, they could put it on Disney Plus. Is that not the question? They may do that. I would, I would be maybe more expected to be the, the Hulu in the US and or FX or FX. Oh, yeah, uh, in either way, the fact. Think of the branding. You're on FX. The X Files on FX. I mean, the branding just kind of does itself. Yeah, and then and then obviously they'll slap it on the Disney Plus Star stuff internationally. Yeah. Uh, so I I think there's potential in the new X Files. Uh, it's you know I, I I have liked some of what I've seen of X Files. I've seen season one in the past. Um, I've I mean this would be a reason to go through it. I suppose at some point. Uh, if if it comes more. Do you real. really want that heartbreak? Well, that's the thing. The X-Files is kind of a weird show and the, the ongoing story arc that it comes back to a few episodes every season is the thing that tends to be more disappointing. But why people liked the X-Files was the, some of the great standalone episodes that it had. It was, it was kind of the opposite of, you know, something that was, you know, Buffy was kind of the similar time, right? It was a couple of years later. But Buffy was very much, the, I had good standalone episodes, sure. But the best stuff was typically the season plot. It was the overall arcs and the characters, what they were going through and changing throughout the season. X-Files, from everything I understand from people who love X-Files, no, the standalone episodes are the reason to watch X-Files. The overall plot, it just, yeah, 
like so- pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> like not that it's necessarily all bad, but certainly it's not what you remember fondly from it. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm curious at the very least. It's, it's definitely someone with some talent that, that's seemingly working on it. How how much is going to be involved in like a direct and a writing capacity is another question. But I would honestly think very little. Ultimately. Yeah, maybe the pilot. Yeah. Direct the pilot, probably. Maybe yeah. not about write it, but yeah. So yeah, new X Files. We'll see how that goes. Uh, speaking of new versions of things, Netflix have ordered a show based on Man on Fire. Uh, so not based on the movie per se. The movie was also based on the same book, but that is the same thing you're thinking of. It's the Denzel yep. Washington, Tony Scott movie. Uh, so it's a drama series based on the A.J. Quinnell, Man on Fire, and The Perfect Kill, which is the first two books in the in Quinnell's five-book series. So I don't know if that's implying that this first season would be both those books, rather than just the first one. That sounded like it, unless but, they were just trying to make it clear that there are more books in a weird way of wording it. Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like this. To me, that sounds like the same. We're adapting the first two here, and then there's three more books to adapt. So maybe they're thinking three seasons yeah, give or take. Sense. Yeah, uh, if you know if it's good enough and successful enough to to get more seasons, uh, it comes from writer executive producer Kyle Killen from Fear Street and Halo. <laughs> Halo. <laughs> uh, New Regency Productions uh, and producer of Tony Scott's 2004 film starring Denzel Washington, uh, Sharon Entertainment. Uh, so, written and produced by Killen, the eight-episode series tells the story of John Creasy, uh, the role played by Washington in the 2004 film and by Scott Glenn in the 1987 Italian film. What's so funny about that sentence is that I didn't know there was a previous version, and the fact that it's Italian, but Scott Glenn's an American actor, I'm sure. Uh, it was, to my knowledge, yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that's a weird mash of like different facts that I was not aware of. But anyway, about a broken ex-mercenary on a mission to avenge the death of his only friend while protecting his fallen comrade's daughter from the forces that destroyed her family. Uh... So I actually really like the 2004 movie. It's my favorite Tony Scott movie. I'm not sure how much my love for that, though, is to do with the premise and more to just do with the Tony Scott direction, Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning, uh, like, in 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 those roles. So I'm not so sure I really care about another adaptation of that same material. It may may be great, don't get me wrong. Maybe we'll see a trailer and I'll be like, oh, you know what, I'm into this. But... I feel like the style of that movie is more what I liked about it. Yeah, and Where, where's this coming to, do we know? Netflix ordered this. Okay, so, I mean, they, they they could get some good direction on it. It's not impossible. It's not Netflix. impossible, but I can also see the bland Netflix show that this yeah. is probably going to be. Uh, I, I was I was trying to good faith it and, and not go straight to that, but yeah, that was in my head. I know you're thinking in your head, it could be a godless, but it's... It could. But it, oh. it, it won't be, but it could. <laughs> it could yeah. be. So, yeah, so I'm not that excited, but I am quite fond of the movie from 2004. Uh, uh, next up, we have a, a spin-off to Snowfall in development at FX. So Snowfall, I think, is just finished. Uh, this is... Yeah, it's uh, going to be starring one one person from that show who's going to be like a bridging character. Uh, Gail Bean is going to reprise her fan favorite role of Wanda. Uh, the spin-off is a continuation of the original story set in 1990s Los Angeles as South Central transitions from the crack era <laughs> into the gangster rap business with areas heavily infested by gangs led by the Bloods and the Crips. 
Wanda would serve as a connective tissue between the original show and the offshoot, uh, which is expected to introduce other main characters. So, I had no idea that was a period piece, because I, I don't I think I ever watched any of Snowfall. No, I remember it starting, I remember seeing trailers, but I don't think I paid too much attention to it. Yeah, the, I mean, fair enough, you know, obviously doing spin-offs and continuations is a, is a popular thing. I do at least appreciate, though, this is like, okay, our, our show ended, we kind of want to do more in that world, let's try and think of a new show and focus on that now, as opposed to the Walking Dead slash Billions method of, let's do five shows! Yeah, this is pretty much, as far as I'm saying, like a direct sequel as well. Like, yeah. it's mostly different characters, but in terms of the chronology and the setting, it's like, well, hang on, that story's over, but this is the next story that takes place, almost. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, obviously, we don't have much attachment to it, but it's a fair fair project by the sounds of it. Yeah. Uh, next up, Peacock is developing a drama series called Queen of Flow, a premium adaptation of Caracol, television Colombian telenovela, uh, La Reina del Flow. I'm assuming La Reina is just queen, but... <laughs> People could correct me if sure. I'm wrong. Uh, Jorge Reyes is attached to write the script for the project from Westbrook Studios and Universal Television. Singer and actress Becky G uh, is in early negotiations to lead the series. Uh, and it says here she's from Power Rangers, so I'm assuming she was the Yellow Ranger yeah, in I was the mistaken. movie. I definitely knew the name. And I can't yeah. remember. For some reason, I had in my head it was either Power Rangers, which it is, or what was that movie with Hayley Steinfeld and... Uh, Sophie Turner from, from Game of Thrones, the kind of the spy school thing. Oh, uh, Barely Lethal, yeah. Yeah, I feel like she might have been in that. Oh, maybe she was, I don't remember in it, but she may have been. Uh, I quite like that movie, you know that? I, I do as well, despite the the, the the general consensus seeming to be not that hot. Yeah, I thought it was a fun little movie, but everyone wanted to shit on it for some reason. Anyway, Queen of Flow is a revenge tale slash musical drama about a young singer-songwriter named Yemi... Uh, the role Becky Jason talks for, who rises to fame in the music world and finds a star-crossed love with the superstar scion of a powerful family. But on her rise to the top, dark secrets are discovered about Yemi and the family she's made her own that set them on a collision course towards a reckoning that could destroy them all. So it's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. I feel like you had a little bit of personal and professional there and you also had a bit of the, the dark secret family secret coming up i'll give you the family secrets the person mm. professional never hit the wording okay okay wasn't That's the phrasing cool. of it um but yeah no it, it, it was very romeo and juliet i appreciate at least if they're doing this they've cast someone who i assume can sing given that she has a music career as well as an acting career I, 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 I assume that was the intent was to get someone who actually yes can yeah can pull off both roles there can do can do this the, the, the rapping part yes yeah. The sing songs. At least I've thought ahead with that. Yeah. Uh, Paramount Plus has greenlit a UK original drama series based on Sarah Penborough's sleep deprivation thriller, Insomnia. Uh, the adaptation will be produced by Left Bank Pictures, the UK production company that reimagined uh, Penborough's Behind Her Eyes for Netflix in 2021. Uh, she's going to adapt the, the, the story for, for the screen. Uh, tells the story of a successful career woman, Emma Averill, who fears she is losing her mind after suffering from sleep deprivation 
two weeks before turning 40. Her mother had a similar experience at the same age, suffering violent psychotic breakdown on the night of her 40th birthday. But even as she relives the experience of her mother, Avril begins other or believes other forces may be at work. Her mother is hospitalized with a sudden injury, her estranged sister returns without warning, and she feels as if she is being watched. Only by investigating the truth of her painful past can she find the answers of her present. I feel like you've got the, obviously, the secrets of the painful past and all that, but I feel like uh, the estranged sister returning, like, I feel like a strange family member returns could almost be a rule itself. It doesn't pop up too often, but it's, it's an just, eye-rolling one yeah. on its own. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll drink for this one as well then. Uh, there's enough there together to yeah, uh, make you yeah. drink. Uh, this is I, why I drink the cheaper stuff for this, because otherwise I'd burn through my good stuff. Honestly, the only uh, it doesn't sound that uh, appealing to me, but the one thought I have is that the synopsis they gave me here felt really start and stoppy. It was like three separate things that didn't really flow together. Uh, so, uh, so much so that like I read it quickly to make it clear I was talking about the plot still, but when I was reading this earlier... I thought it was it shifted to talking about the writer saying her mother had this condition, and I was like, "Oh no, she's still talking about the character." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the way it sort of broke into a new sentence, it, it, and it was a new paragraph. Even it sounded like it had shifted to talking about the writer. Anywho, it's bizarre how many of these are just badly written. Not even like you know they oh they don't do a great job of capturing the essence of the show. Just badly written. Oh yeah, yeah. Just uh, poor grammar. Yeah, yeah. It's more often you'd think on something that should be this professional thing that someone has a job doing yeah as a pr person's presumably writing some of these things but yeah all right next up gina rodriguez is developing a series adaptation of sonoro podcast series princess of south beach for netflix uh the streamer option to podcast and the jane the virgin star rodriguez is executive producing under her i can and i will productions she is not set to star in it as of yet that could change but right now there's no no uh, news of such. So, Princess of South Beach follows Maria del Carmen and Gloria, twin sisters who were separated at birth and raised in dramatically different ways, one in a convent and the other at the lap of luxury. When a freak accident kills Gloria, Maria del Carmen assumes her identity and uncovers that Gloria's rich family isn't as picture-perfect as they seem. The bilingual series pays homage to beloved telenovela tropes and adds modern twists. I hate it. <laughs> I thought they were doing a sister-sister thing where they're going to, like, you know, become swap friends places. and... Well, this doesn't swap places. They just sort of became actual sisters. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought they were going to do that on this, though. I thought they were going to, like, swap places or something. Well, one swaps places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's that's not the same as... One taking the other's place is not swapping places. Yeah. Well, it's not her fault the other one died. Well, unless it is. It might be. <laughs> it could be a murder. Is it, did we know that? Could be... Sister side. What's the, what's the sibling version of, like, patricide and matricide? Murder. <laughs> Siblicide. <laughs> I don't know. I'm assuming there's a word for it. There's a word for everything. Yeah. Um, all right. Universal Television is developing a series adaptation of Diane Marie Brown's debut novel, Black Candle Women, with Jenna Bushhager, who has a first look deal at Universal Studio Group, uh, under her production banner, Thousand Voices. Um, so, yes. Uh, Black Candle Women introduces 
four generations of Montrose women, Augusta, Victoria, and Willow, who have lived together in their quaint two-story bungalow in California for years. I'm a little confused how it's four generations with only three people, but maybe this description will make that more clear as, as, as we go. Uh, they keep them to themselves, never venture far from home, and their collection of tinctures and spells is an unspoken bond between them. But when 17-year-old Nikki Montrose, oh, this is the fourth one, okay, fair enough, fair enough, uh, brings home a boy for the first time, uh, their quiet lives are thrown into disarray, for the other women have been withholding a secret from Nikki that will end her relationship before it's even begun. The decades-old family curse that any person they fall in love with dies. Family secret. I feel like you should probably tell a teenager that. <laughs> before, you, know, they, they, you, know, you know, like the age of like 15. Hey, maybe. much like Hulk Hulkamania, the hormones are running wild at 15. Like... Or 17, all all I'm saying say. is, yeah, you know, but like from like 15 years onwards, like, you know, like teenage girls like have a reputation for being emotional, right? That That's like the, the shtick, whether real or not. But TV shows are supposed to play into that. And m maybe, maybe these uh, family members should have some more responsibility. Mm. Yeah, or, or maybe they should commit sororicide, which is killing a sister. Oh, did you look it up? I did. Oh, very good. There's a different one for brother and sister. There's also just, I think it was like familicide. Well, so sor killing any family member. Sororicide, yeah. So that's like sorority. So yeah. fratricide, is that brother? It is. Okay. Well done. All right, there you go. Sometimes there's logic in language. Yeah. But you can just go familicide. It's a kill, kill, kill the family. Uh, that sounds like more of an ensemble thing, though. You're going to kill them all. It, it might well be, but maybe it's just a, a generic where, hey, hey, we can, if you kill one, more than one, <laughs> but not all. Right? Mm. All right. Uh, Amazon Studios has secured rights to Aaron Foley's debut novel, Boys Come First. Sounds a bit dirty, but all right, we'll see where mm -hmm. this goes. Uh, with plans to develop the property for television, tapping Chuck Hayward from Ted Lasso to write the pilot and executive for the series. Uh, Field Trail produced the show. Uh, developed under their overall deal with Amazon. So, uh, Boys Comes... Sorry, Boys Come First tells the... Her no. I'll start that again. Boys Comes First tells the humorously heartfelt story of three gay millennial black... Oh, maybe it is dirty. <laughs> 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 maybe they are coming first. Uh, her heartfelt story of three gay millennial black men looking for love. Navigating friendship and pursuing professional success <laughs> against the rapidly evolving backdrop of contemporary Detroit. Oh, that's got to be like the eighth one today. <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, I'm not working more. I feel like the uh, it's all been it's mostly been the secret past stuff though. Like this has only been the second professional one. I think it has, yeah. Personal and yeah. professional, baby. Um, and this this one went full in for it as well. Yes. I mean, I get what the title means. It's, it's saying that uh, boys come first as in their love interests are their first priority, right? That's that's what it's saying. Um, but... Yeah. What is it? Because it, it's... Yeah, you know, that that's that's presumably what I think is the, the, the double joke, is, is usually, ah, yeah, boys come first. You know, it, it's, it's saying, hey, you know, this, your mate's it? first. 
Oh, okay, that's what you said. Yeah. Right, so it's like, hey, I made before you significant others. I thought you were making so, a premature ejaculation joke, but go on. I, I was not, but I, I wonder if that's maybe the joke here is, is that, well, which one is it referring to? And maybe mm. the, the point is, they don't know. Maybe like, I mean, they're not sure what how they're balancing it. Maybe it has a sense of, yeah, maybe there's more of a sense of humor to it than, because uh, all the descriptions gives me a sense of humor vibe, but maybe the title is meant to be a little humorous. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Final bit of news of the day then. CBS Studios is developing the Mysterious Mortons. <laughs> it's a CBS show from Amy Rarden uh, from Charmed, George Northey from Charmed, and Laurie Zacks from Castle. The show follows a homicide detective, I'm shocked, who enlists his quirky family of mystery writers to assist him in cracking the cases that perplex the authorities. <laughs> it's a cop show but the partner is my whole family ah <laughs> uh, cbs gonna cbs yeah to be fair this sounds more like a fox show to me but it's still very cbs cbs have been doing this a lot the last couple of years though yeah 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 at least it doesn't sound as boring as some of the other. It sounds like it, it's gonna be a chuckle. The premise is chuckle worthy, if nothing else. Oh, yeah, uh, but it won't be good. No, 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 I wouldn't suggest such a thing. But hey, but that's the news. That's uh, this week's news. What a weird uh, hodgepodge it was. But uh, there was even Scott Pilgrim news, and even Carter's not sure if he wants it. That's how much mm. of a weird mixed bag it was this week. But, do, you want, do you want an extra to random tidbit story I saw on Twitter during the week? Oh, go on. Give us a tidbit. So, you're familiar with Modern Family? Yes. The, the show or the concept of a modern family? The show specifically. Okay, but I mean, yes. Um, so, what, what I saw this week is apparently the, uh, the two creators of the show um, hated each other. They hated each other so much, they couldn't work together. So, you were, they, apparently they essentially had two writer's rooms. And they just split up episodes when you do these ones, I'll do those ones. And that's why apparently like, if, people, if even people watch the show, there's like a lot of inconsistencies amongst ah. like character direction, things like that. It's because it was essentially just two different takes on the same characters running at the same time in the oh, same show. I wonder when that, uh, that's because I watched the first few seasons. I wonder if how early it was that that divergence happened. Because it went for like 10 seasons, so it could have been like, yeah, yeah. you know, season five or six or something like that would have. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it sounds like it was at least for a good few years, at the very least. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's that's a bizarre way to run a show. That that is uh, a you you'd almost think that the the network or someone would step in and be like, "This isn't on. You're you're this is a mess." But yeah, like the way it sounds is like they would because uh, it came from like some like random. It's like an old interview, but like people are kind of dug it back up, and it was like offhand comments. Obviously, this has not been delved into but it, it sounded like there might have been like one large writer's room and like but they both treated them as their own you know their own respective yeah writers and um it was essentially the you know all the writers jobs in the middle to try and make it as cohesive a show as possible amongst these two entirely different visions for what the show was meant to be and yeah 
it was it was just like they had completely different like perspectives on like one was like oh no it's it's meant to represent all these things it's you know it, it's it's a stand-in for this this and that and the other one was like it's, it's just a funny show i want to see if i can find this because it was so wild i that is cute if i ever go back and just binge that for something silly to watch it'll be fun you'll to be look. looking to see if you can figure yeah. out which which one split up into which yeah because it wouldn't even necessarily be alternating because sometimes schedules don't work out that way it could be like little bundles of episodes that's interesting yeah no they they did it from the start apparently from the start i found it now yeah but I, I, that's so we, hard we realize it, this comes from one of the showrunners you know oh, we're both strong opinionated people and we very quickly realized it doesn't make sense to sit here and debate each other and waste time uh we often come at it from different points of view i would have so said let's just switch off on who has the final say i would have just assumed that you wouldn't be able to start a show like that so i would have assumed that at least season one would have been like them working together and maybe realizing over the course of like hating each other in that season at least oh we have to s- split and do something weird with, with how we run this show the fact that it started basically like that is really weird and i'd be like oh shit is this going to last and it did last because <laughs> they had 10 seasons the bloody thing but yeah apparently they they did it for about seven years like that from what i you know from what it seems okay. to be yeah, I think that's was... still a long time to be doing that. Yeah, now, now you mention it, I, I think the uh, the original showrunners did leave at some point in the last couple of years was some you know someone else had been promoted, so maybe it got more coherent for the last few seasons. <laughs> maybe, but to be fair, yeah, I, uh... I, I I did watch the first few seasons. I don't remember there been that bad inconsistencies, but I mean, I don't know how close I was paying attention Ready to the rest of the writers' room. I guess uh, then. Um, but no, uh, apparently it's one of the showrunners went off and did that reboot show, the one that just got cancelled out and had like the one season. Mm-hmm. We watched the trailer for it. Um, apparently a lot of that show was kind of talking about that experience and beyond just being a generic look at reboot culture in, in Hollywood, uh, as, as, as it seemed to be from the trailer. Apparently more in-depth, it was actually kind of a, a critical look at you know that sort of working relationship. That's an interesting. Uh, uh, that may be that may be more interested to go and watch that show than anything else. It's has. a shame it got. I mean, it looked kind of good anyway, but it's a shame it got cancelled because the other guys probably loves that it didn't last because he probably took it as a personal attack and he's like, ah, yeah. ha, 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 your show failed. Yeah. Maybe well, his next show I, failed. I just, too, I just I saw know. that and I was like, that is a wild way to run a TV show for years. Hmm. I mean, it's how we run this podcast. So. Well, yeah, but. We don't have someone else looking at our notes for, <laughs> and going, I'm going to just leave some notes on that, but hey, you do you. Yeah. There's, yeah, we need an ambassador to go back and forth between. That's how it should work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but okay, that is the news for the week, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. You can, of course, check out uh, the various reviews going up. Uh, there is a, a new Deep Space Nine review. It's already up on Patreon. It'll be up for everyone during this week. We'll hopefully be back to Weekly Trek. Uh, reviews assuming we get one in in time this this coming week but uh we've been chipping away at those uh obviously uh picard's still going last of us wrapped up uh quantum leaps first season is just about to wrap up we just sort of did the uh the two penultimate episodes this week so the finale is coming up next week uh we'll see how that goes the last two episodes were better you know it's, it's still not necessarily a great show but like it was kind of rough for like five or six episodes 
Uh, is it potentially just season one network rough? Or is it like, mm. Well, we had a theory because it was meant to be 13 and they got extended. Uh, they got, or 12 or 13, they got extended by five or six episodes. And it kind of felt like all the plans they had for the last few episodes, like, stayed the last few episodes. And then there was, like, just. Just some random insight that, so, ah, quick, we yeah, need to make up some more episodes. It felt like they were just sort of spinning their wheels and the, mm. the episodes were just felt lower quality. Um, but the, the last two were, were, were definitely better. So we'll we'll see how the last one uh wraps up, but uh yeah so that's cool. Uh, and once uh, Picard's done, we'll be going back to finish off Babylon Five. I uh, mean Tara. Uh, so you must be near the end of that now. Yeah, yeah, we've only got like I think like six episodes and like two TV movies, something like that. It's not nothing too much. Uh, so yeah, that is the uh that is the plan. Um, and. This is like two weeks old now, but I did a pilot called Extrapolations from Apple, which wasn't very good. Uh, it, 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 was, it was pretty rough. But, oh, uh, like, a PowerPoint about global warming or climate change would have been more entertaining. It would have been better. Oof, that's damning. <laughs> like, obviously, like I said on the review, like, I, I agree with the message the show is trying to give us. Like, I'm, I'm politically behind, like, doing something about climate change, but this show is just not... Not not good entertainment. No, it's not good entertainment. It's you know bland characters, soap opera style stuff that just all ties into like a near future where the climate's going to shit. I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, what do you mean going to shit in the near future? It already is. Well, what's worse than the near future? It's set in like twenty thirty seven. Oh, okay. So everything's already on fire. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think the episodes like jump like every two episodes is a time jump like to an- another decade. So I think by the end of the um, season, it's at like. 2090 or something like that. And and there's an Earth left? Aye. Doesn't mean there'll be life on it, but there's an Earth. <laughs> the last two episodes are just shots of a desert. Yeah. It's, it's, not like, it's not like people are... It's not like scientists are saying the Earth's going to explode. It's just, no, all the life will just die. Hey, I'm sure some of them are. <laughs> God, I bet I can find at least one scientist will say that. What? Whatever crazy scientist you've found under a rock who's willing to say that the Earth's going to to blow up like Krypton is that, that I'm not going. I guarantee you, I can find one. Probably, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're right. I, I will take the greater <laughs> scientific community and what they're saying as a whole. Well, all I'm saying is, I will find an expert who tells me that the world will blow up. <laughs> expert in what? Flat Earthing. <laughs> I decline to answer that. I don't want to <laughs> uh, yeah, jeopardize my experts' uh, this, impartiality. This man's a scientific expert. He says the earthquakes, but yeah, what's his expertise in? Oh, he's uh, he's oh, he's doctorates in like uh, you know, birds. Birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's an aviation expert. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's that's the show. But you can support the content, keep the podcast coming, and all the other things we do uh, over at Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV. And of course, check out Male Fuzz Movies, the sister channel with all the movie podcasts. Um, out this weekend, the Collector's Cut has been working through all the John Wick movies, so this weekend's going to be the John Wick 4 episode, so you can watch uh, our thoughts on all four movies uh, this weekend. You can, I mean, you can, if, if, you're, if, just, if you're seeing this early on Patreon, you can go back and watch the first three at least already. So, uh, yeah, check out that. Uh, but that is, that, is, that is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?